We're in this process of developing outreach with regard to what's local and, and what we have within our, our region, which we call global, and then global, that which is you know, across the shores or beyond our borders of an, as a nation. We're looking at those things, and I asked some of the people who are involved in overseeing those ministries to give me what God has done just in 2009. So we could just take a moment and stop as we think about moving into the future and impacting our world. And as I began to get the list, and it was compiled and it was given to me, I began to read it and I, and, and I just thought, you know, I want to be really careful that as we read this, that we don't read this in a way that says, you know, kind of the old pat on the back and say, boy, aren't we great, or something along that line, in, in, in a prideful way. I wanted not for us to respond that way. But to share this in a way where we acknowledge in all humility that God has poured his blessings into our life that we might pour those out into the lives of others. And recognize we're just channels. We're grateful to be channels to do that. And so as I got this, I, with that heart and prayer, I want you to hear what God has done through you in this past year through our outreach ministries, how we impacted our world. Well, first, let me just share with you in the area of global ministries. We've been able to support 19 families and individuals in nine different countries, places like Peru, Poland, Turkey, Mongolia, the Netherlands, Germany, Mexico, Papua New Guinea. And then there are members in our church who are involved in all kinds of other ministries in Africa and all different places, but specifically the church. Over 105 people have participated in a short-term team mission. Our Spring Touch local event, where we look at things locally and globally, had six projects involving 100 people giving 400 volunteer hours to do things within our community. Our Fall Missions Festival involved 350 people giving 800 volunteer hours, packing 109,644 meals, and then also raising $11,700 to feed starving and malnourished children around the world. And we've been blessed to develop a relationship with the Hospitality Center for the Chinese, which we call this global ministry, because in, in the Twin Cities, due to the University of Minnesota, specifically their undergrad, but even more so their graduate program, we have one of the largest Chinese populations in the nation. They're just coming into our borders. And so through a relationship with them, we've had direct contact with about 40 of those students and indirectly with many, many more. This fall, we actually brought a number of volunteers down to the center when a number, of, a couple hundred or so students came for a welcome picnic that we were a part of hosting. And these were students who were coming right over China to the U.S., many of them for the first time. And as they came, they had the opportunity to be welcomed. Ten families have hosted students for lunch, and, and others are, are joining that. A couple began a, a Bible 101 class for students who had never studied the Bible. Many will be hosting a friendship dinner on December 19th down at the Hospitality Center, and there's still time to sign up if you want to help. There's a Polish initiative. In fact, I had the opportunity to do a vision trip to see what God was doing in Poland to the ministry that we established there about ten years ago, specifically through Pastor Z and the church there. What we're taking this Wednesday night is an offering to help that ministry. The desire for the Poland Initiative is to raise over $50,000 to build a playground for the children of the city of Glogo, 
where Pastor Z is involved and bringing together the mayor and, and police and others in order to that place. In fact, being there, they have all these apartment buildings, but no place for kids to, to assemble or play. As well as part of that offering would be going to, um, and, and the, the funds are trying to raise to finish the second floor of Pastor Z's church where they do English training for people in Poland and they use the Bible and have opportunity to just love people who have not been loved in that way by God's love. This past year, we, as a church, were able to raise $500,000. You have raised that for global missions alone. And then in the last year and a half or so, we started what we call community care, which is more the local end of things, which also has some local touches. And just last year, again, 2009, over $11,000 you gave and was collected for the food shelf locally here, as well as about 1,550 pounds of food. And I asked Carrie Borland, who oversees that, um, how many bags of food is that to maybe help people see that? And she said, I don't know, just tell many hundreds of bags. More than 20 volunteers have served meals at the Plymouth Colony Apartments where relationships are being built with people. A number of volunteers have been serving in homework clubs at Plymouth Colony Apartments. Volunteers cleaned the Connect Center at the Plymouth Colony Apartment back in April. We've had two blood drives in 2009 and 54 units of blood being given. An offering close to $3,400 was given just recently to the sleep-out campaign for homeless in our area. And, and we also had the opportunity as a church, a, a, a few have gotten together and actually put together a professional video that, that Interfaith is using to raise the awareness in businesses and churches in our area for that homelessness sleep-out campaign. Approximately 15 families volunteered to clean up trash at Cleveland Park on a weekly basis. And, and then someone came up to me after the service. They've been just attending for the last uh, few months, and they said, that's our park. I almost signed them up. But anyway, um, we have five volunteers reading at either Oakwood or Gleason Lake Elementary through the Wyzetta Literacy Program. Some 35 volunteers served breakfast and lunch to the Teen Challenge Choir when they visited. And that, on that Sunday, you generously gave $20,000 to help people get out of drug addiction or alcoholic dependency. Fifteen people have volunteered to mentor those people in Teen Challenge. Over 40 volunteers have signed up to contribute to the Teen Challenge Staff Appreciation Dinner in December. And then we have a ministry called Hammers of Hope, which is really a ministry of people who use their gifts and talents to help repair and do things in homes, things that I can't do, so I never sign up for this. But we have had over 125 volunteers put in 995 volunteer hours at six project sites within our area. Doing things like for single parents who don't have the ability to do it or for some of the elderly who don't have the capacity even to, to take care of their home. Done things like re-roofed their home, outdoor and indoor painting, landscaping, deck repair, room additions, window installation, cleaning, one apartment makeover, and a bunch of other minor home repairs. And there's a whole bunch of other things that are going on. There's a white cross ministry here where women uh, of different generations come together and, and they sew quilts and they make cards and they send them both locally and internationally for people. The choir recently served um, at the Veterans Day meal at the YZ American Legion. Even our middle schoolers and, and senior hires are getting involved in this and have been. And in Corcoran, in, in one of the uh, mobile home areas, they were able to bring... Um, 
and have uh, 14 of our kids went and did a VBS, a vacation Bible school there. We've sent 45 of our middle schoolers and senior hires to nursing homes to Christmas Carol. They did that last year. They're planning to do that this year. They pick up 26 each week from that area to bring to activities here. They've gone downtown to rake. 15 students packed 212 sandwiches for the hungry last year. 35 of our own youth did their own Kids Against Hunger food packing event. Ten high school youth went to assist Ian Ministry and repainted a playground in which they were written up in the news Minneapolis trip. Women's Ministry collected needed items for a local battered women's shelter this summer. And right now there's a, a thing called Bikes for Kids program where I think at this point over 172 bikes have been collected where bikes are given to kids who can't, um, are underprivileged kids who can't um, themselves get that. Clark Jones sent me an email with their tagline that goes, Good wheel to all and to all a good bike. Yeah, a little hokey. I want us to stop and just stand together and pray. And if you're a guest, you're visiting, you don't have to participate. Um, but if you would like, I'm just asking you to put your hands out like this for a second. Because I really want us to humbly just stop and declare this and say, God, you've given us open hands to place things in and you've blessed us in a very economically tough year. And we want to keep our hands open so that through our hands they can pass to other people. Let's pray. Father, you've blessed us and we have had the joy of blessing others. Our deep desire as a church is to live in an experience where we encounter your grace and your love through Jesus. We grow in community together so that we could, with open hands, impact the world around us. And so, God, I'm going to ask as we're standing here, would you bless us more that we might bless more? You know our hearts and you hear our prayer. And we give you thanks. Amen. With all that God has done, folks, God, I believe, wants to do more. We are loved people in order to love people. We are forgiven people that we might go out and forgive people. God gives to us that we might give. We are blessed so we can bless. I believe as we come to this point and we talk about this value impact our world, it's important that we rehearse once again. And I'm going to ask you to say the mission statement with me because this is why we exist. We exist to help all people. Say it with me. To help all people take their next step in knowing and following Jesus. And that gets displayed in, the, in, in three basic values. That we want people to encounter God. It's not about giving food. It's not about raking lawns. It's not about giving dollars and hours and all the rest. It's all about this. That we hope that through these things, which are good things that we do, that we have the ability that people will encounter, experience the living presence of God. They will hear the message that Jesus loves them and that he gave himself that they might know the fullness of life. We want people to encounter God. We want people to grow in community. Spoke about this last week, and, and I'll encourage us again to, to recognize and remember that what the whole idea of growing community is that we recognize that we are sinners, that we are, are people that need help, that we are selfish, and we are self-absorbed often with regard to getting things that we need. So we need to be people who say, we need your help, God. And, and the basic requirement of this community is people who recognize they need God. 
and that we want to help one another grow in that loving, truthful, authentic relationship so that we can help people whose families where they may have not had those kind of experiences, we can grow together and maybe create a family that will never be perfect, but we will begin to try and walk more fully in truth, in relationship with each other, that we would give grace. So that as your life is transformed by an encounter with God, as you grow in community, you will naturally walk out of here and begin to impact the world around you. And I have to share with you, I believe that we are at a defining moment time as a congregation. You know, defining moments are those moments in, 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 in history where something occurs either in a moment or a season that when you look back on it, you go, that changed the future. That changed what we looked like. That, as we look back now, was important in our life. In fact, you can think of things that occur. Just recently, they've been celebrating the fall of the Berlin Wall. That whole fall of the Berlin Wall was a season of time where there was this desire for freedom to be known throughout the world. And you see how that kind of symbolized what happened. There's also negative things that happen. 9-11 is another opportunity, those situations that defined, in a sense, our future. Just think of all the things that have happened since that time. There is now this whole new understanding of terrorism and, and homeland security and all the implications around that. And we look back and we go, oh yeah, that was a moment in time. I believe we have one of those moments in time that we as a body, I hope, 15, 20 years from now, will look back and say, wow, look what God was doing. But you know what? We haven't seen the half of it. God loves to, to pour himself out on people whose arms are hungry and, and saying, God, bless us. Not that we can hoard it, but bless us that we can just turn around and bless other people with it. And I'm excited about what God wants to do here. I believe we stand before one of those times. In Scripture, there's a couple places that I want us to look at where there are what I call these defining moments. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, is... is this verse that's inserted in the midst of a bunch of exploits that, that David's men did, his, his warriors. And what's really interesting is he's going through all these exploits and at a certain point he just wedges in here. And I think God wants this put in here because this chronicler is looking backwards at what happened and he goes, oh, I better recognize this. Verse 32 says this. Men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. There was these men who, at a certain point, God was working through them. They began to understand what was going on, and in understanding what was going on, they discerned what they should do and the steps they should take. And they moved into that with a, a whole united front. There was this desire not to be selfish and, and not to be proud and not to be complaining and not to be arguing, but they, to move together is one force to make a difference. And they extended the kingdom in a way that it has. Incredible implications back then, but also today. There's another scripture that I think is important to look at. It's in the Gospel of John, chapter 4. This one is not one where Jesus is looking back. He's really in this one prophetically looking forward, and he's talking to his disciples. And he's telling these 12 disciples, they're standing before a defining moment that could change their lives and the world forever. They have just left Judea and Jerusalem. And instead of taking the long road around, they decide to. Jesus wants to take the shortcut because he's got to get back. So they take the travel through Samaria. On the way, Jesus is exhausted. They stop at a, a very well-known well called Jacob's Well, which was out kind of in the middle of, of this um, 
area of Samaria, surrounded by a number of towns. And Jesus, tired, you can just see, he kind of says, guys, I'm tired. They're going, well, we're hungry. He goes, go ahead. There's a McDonald's, I think, down the road. Go to the next town and get it. He stays. They leave. He's tired, I think, with his back maybe against the well when he sees as they're leaving this lady. Maybe the lady passed the 12 on the way. This lady, the Samaritans, coming at the noon hour. It's the heat of the day. You don't come to the heat of, during the heat of the day to get water. They would either come early in the morning when it was cool or later at night when it was cool. But you would only come in the heat of the day if you were a person carrying a great amount of shame. You were a person who looked upon as one who is really out of sorts. Your life was a mess. And here she comes to the well. Jesus enters into a conversation with her. This conversation changes her life. The disciples come back. As they're coming back, they see this woman still, but now they see her leaving. She leaves the jar of water she has, and she runs back. She runs by them, I'm guessing, as they make their way there. They're wondering why in the world Jesus would be talking to this woman. But they don't say anything to Jesus. They come up to him and they say, And Jesus, you must be really hungry. Look at verse 34. Jesus says, Guys, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. You have no idea how full I am at this moment because of what has just happened. When when you're walking with God and you're seeing God work through your life, food is great and you've got to have it to stay alive, but there's nothing like seeing God full in your life. And so he says to you guys, don't you see? I want you to look. There is a a moment that it could define everything if you could just see it. He says, don't you see? Four months more, a lot of people say, don't they say four months and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. Because what's happening at this point is this lady has gone to the village. She's told these people about Jesus. Now you see this group of people from this town coming towards Jesus over the field. And he says, don't you see? It looks like the harvest won't be for four months, but if you really look and open your eyes, you'll see the harvest is on its way. The fields are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests crop for eternal life, so the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one who sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. And many of the spirits from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, her story. Jesus is speaking prophetically and he's, he's, he's letting them know that they stand before this incredible harvest. The time is right. This defining moment. And I want to say the same thing, folks, as we talk about the impact of our world. I believe we stand before one of those moments that can be life changing for us and for the community we live in, and for the world that God has called us to influence. He had just finished, moments earlier, a conversation with this woman who was thirsty for God. She had been married five times, and now she's disillusioned, and she's living with her current lover. 
She had hoped her eternal thirst would be quenched in the arms of another man. She kept looking for it through another man. She kept looking through it and finally was giving up. Wasn't even marrying anymore because she couldn't find it. And Jesus comes to her and says, you really want to know the thirst of your life? If you want it quenched, it comes in this relationship that Jesus was introducing to her instead of condemning her, giving her grace and speaking truth to her. And as he spoke that truth to her, she began to realize it wasn't the arms of another man that she needed. It was God and it was his love and it was his presence. It was an encounter with Him that put her in a community that began to encounter God. And she couldn't help but turn around and impact the world. Couldn't help but leave her jar of water sitting there so excited that she had to go tell other people. And and the relationships were already in place for her to tell people. And those relationships were, were platforms for the truth that brought all these people back to Jesus. And it made this incredible impact. And I just want to share with you, I, I believe that if Jesus himself were standing here, he would say to us, folks, look, the harvest, it's ripe out there. There are pockets and places where God is at work and he's just waiting for, for someone to come and to relationally connect and tell their story so that people could know this incredible love. There are pockets where people are waiting to be, to be cared for medically, to be cared for with food physically, to be cared for in the ways that touch their heart so that they go, well, why did you do that? And you share what Jesus says. I, I'm just so excited. And Jesus makes this really interesting thing. I love the way the message says it. And this is, goes on and, and talks about it, but he says at, the very, at one point when he says the, the field has been ripe and it's ready, he says, without lifting a finger, you have walked in on a field worked long and hard by others. Isn't that cool? Without lifting a finger, you're walking into a place that has been prepared for you. So I just want to take a moment and just show you've been preparing that God has prepared. I believe he's prepared this body. Over the years, he's prepared this body. This body understands Jesus Christ. He understands the truth of his word. They've been prepared with his words in such a way that it's in the hearts and minds of this people. And now he's placed the hearts and minds with this truth in it, with the ability to take that, with the Spirit's guidance and power, to release that in the lives of other people. I believe this community is prepared as a body. I believe this church is mature, ready to step out and to give and to do what God calls it to do. Without lifting a finger, people have been praying for years. This, this body has been prepared for a time such as this. And then I think about it, and I think not just this church, I think of the community around us. The community around us has been prepared. Denominational walls have fallen. There are such abilities to make alliances with other churches and with other groups to make a difference and an impact in the lives of people. This community has been prepared. This community is ripe. This community, folks, is one of the wealthiest communities in the nation. With, with executives and leaders that, that run corporations. That if directed towards this harvest could change the world. <laughs> Our culture has been prepared. Think about it. Our culture has gone through a series of, of marriages with regard to things they hoped would change the world. It's amazing when you think about our culture and all that, that, that has occurred. There was a time when science and medicine was what we thought would be the answer. It was tested and found deficient. Education and knowledge, we thought that would make the difference. It was tested and found deficient. Technology and man's ingenuity, we thought if we could just do that and develop that, you know what, that's been tested and found deficient. 
materialism, wealth, pleasure. We went through that, tested that. It's been found deficient. The fad of self-improvement appears to have, you know, failed the test as well. And there's a culture right now of people. They're not hungry for religion. They're hungry for an encounter with the living God. And there is a whole culture right now that has been made ready. They want to do good. There are benefit concerts, charities, this and all this. Other. There's a heart right now in our culture to want to do good. And could you see if we do good, we desire to impact our world, we get involved locally, locally and globally, and we say we're going to do good where God has called us to do good. And we'll be faithful in those areas. We will actually step besides other people who want to do good. But they might not be doing good because they are full of the love of God through the relationship with Christ. They might be doing good, hoping that in doing good, this is another lover. They haven't even married yet, but another lover that might provide for their heart and soul. It won't work. But it will change their lives if we get in the game. And we open the door. And we step beside people and we say, hey, yeah, we would like to collect food. And we get people who, that's our heart, because God's working that way right now. And we come alongside them and we say, you know, they go, well, why are you involved in this? Well, I'm involved in it because of what's happened in my life. Well, what happened to your life? God made me fall. And without lifting a finger, people have been praying. This community has been prepared. There are pockets of places. There's a whole center for Chinese students in our area who are hungry for God who will go back, many of them, and change their country. And I think about it and I go, then what's there to do? If it's been prepared and and we don't even have to lift a finger except for step into the harvest because it's ripe, it's really simple, folks. The, The way we do this is the way it's always been done in God's Word. The woman went back into the natural relationship she had and she told people about what God did in her life. Jesus was a master at building relationships, meeting a woman at the well, talking to her, and seeing a life changed. It's all about us just being in right relationship with people and living out the story of our life before them that God is involved in. And then I think about it, it's not just about relationships, it's just about generosity too. Here is Jesus. I'm really, I'm really impressed with the fact that it doesn't take a lot really to change the world or to influence things. It just takes listening to the Spirit of God, prompted in the right places, you know, understanding the times and knowing what to do. It's, just, it's really just little clicks up the dial for most. Here's Jesus. He's sitting by the well. He could have easily said, I am so tired. I have this huge ministry in Judea. I've been this healing thing. Oh, and this lady's coming up, and yeah, I don't need to talk to her. All the conditions would give me the opportunity not to talk to her. But Jesus took a little bit of prompting by the Spirit of God and a little click and said, you know, I'm going to give just a, maybe I can give her a half hour. And he gets up and starts talking to her. And that little bit of sacrifice, that little bit of commitment to get outside himself, to get into the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And Jesus never was in any place but God's presence because of who he was. But for us, it's that little bit of the click, whether it's our time, whether it's just a click up of a percentage of what we give, whether it's a click up of, of, of our talent that God has given you. It's just those little clicks that done can, can transform the world. 
I have a thing I could read about. There's a thing the guy says, you know what, if the, if the church in North America just actually, instead of giving 2% or so of their income, actually just gave 10%. They did this study. They found that um, all clean water, they did this whole thing. The whole wor- the world would be impacted and changed. I'm not talking about giving more money. I'm just really talking about being willing to allow God write the story of your life so that you know the fullness of what it means to live and walk with Him. And as you live and walk with Him in the relationships He's placed around you that are just the natural platforms for you to live out your life. Not to preach at Him, but to just share what God is doing like she did. He just said, here's what He said. And then those opportunities to say, you know what, God, I'm going to listen to your prompting. I'm going to get outside myself and I'm just going to do that little click because God wants to impact our world. And I, I'm convinced on that. So I asked Brian, as I was going to conclude this, I thought, you know, I'll let him come up and share with us just a few uh, areas with regard to, you know, it's, it's about relationships, so generosity, it's about what's your next step. And some of you are stepping there, some of you, might, God might be talking to you. Good morning. Uh, last Friday, I attended the uh, Teen Challenge Christmas concert, and um, I went with some neighbors, and these neighbors that went with us had never heard of Teen Challenge prior to this past week. And you know when you bring somebody to an event like that, and you kind of take a risk, and you bring somebody along, you're kind of in tune, aren't you, with what's going on up on stage, and you're kind of thinking, how are, those, how are the people that I brought hearing what I'm hearing and what they're saying? Well, as Teen Challenge always do, does, they began to share their stories, and those were powerful stories. There are stories about how Jesus Christ intervened, and through his power, in their words, they were literally saved. Their lives were saved. Either If it wasn't for Jesus, they said they would either be dead or in prison. There's no denying the fact that those teenagers, those, teens, those teen challenge students, I should say, experienced Jesus Christ and the power of God working in through their lives. And my wife, Jill, turned to me, and she kind of leaned over. She said, wow, look at all those students that are up there. There are a lot of stories up there, and it's true. Each one of those students that were up there represented the powerful story of God's love and his grace and his action. But then I was sitting there, and I thought, wait a minute. Shouldn't there be just as many stories here in this congregation on this side as there is up on that stage? God wants to be just as active in our lives as he is in every one of those students' lives, just as tangible. Well, sure enough, today we've seen a list of all of these things that God has been doing in and through our lives. We do have stories to share. What I'm going to do for a couple of minutes here is to put some faces to those stories. Take Rick, for example, who works in his IT department. Each day he battles the technology challenges for his company. A little over a year ago, he decided that he would try his hand at some home repairs, unlike Kevin, and show up at a Hammers of Hope site. And I asked him now, since he's come to almost every project, I said, what caused you to come back to this? And he said that he's able to see God touch the lives of people simply by picking up a paintbrush and a hammer, see God working through his life, and he doesn't want to miss another opportunity to show God's love. Rick's now one of our most active volunteers, and he's present in almost everything. God is working. Or Christy, who spent years in the thankless, high-pressure world of media network news, she was approached by the community care team 
to use those talents to help tell the story of those homeless that are in our community, which you saw a couple weeks ago. Christy sat in the sanctuary two weeks ago with tears coming down her face because she saw in a tangible way the gifts and talents that God had given her could be used for something greater than television ratings. She felt God use her life to reach out and love some very real families right in our backyard. God is at work in her life. How about Nicole, who's busy home raising her family as a stay-at-home mom, and she's wondering how she should respond to the desire of her heart. And I got a call from her last week, and she said with a question, how can I use this passion and gift I have for teaching English right here in our own community? Well, she's taken some of those ideas, and now she's taking steps to respond to that. And she's working to find the right group to connect to, to share those gifts and talents. God has work in her life. And finally, there's Mike, who made a decision to go to Poland several years ago. When he was there, he caught a vision for what might happen over time as the church reached out, as they taught the Bible, as they loved people looking for new life after the government had had control. Well, those same people now sit in position to work hand-in-hand with the mayor and the police department to provide a playground, to speak to local schools, to share the powerful love of Jesus with virtually no restrictions outside of resources. God is at work. Now, this isn't about Rick or Christy or Nicole or Mike. They'd be the first ones to say that. It's not about them. The reason I use their names is because it makes them real and tangible. These are people you and I know. They're walking among us. They are sitting here in these pews with you and me. They're actively experiencing what it means. All things choose to use their willing hearts for his purposes. Is there any better reason to wake up in the morning? So my question is, what's your story? How is God working in and through your life right now? How might he work in, your, in and through your life tomorrow, next month? This coming year, God is inviting his people into his story. He'll do the writing. All he's asking is that your willingness to be on the page. God's doing something right here at Wyzetta Free Church. There are a lot of stories out there. We are ripe for what he wants to do in our lives. How is he calling you to impact your world? Pray with me. Lord, I am thankful. I am thankful for so much that you have done in this church this past year, in each of our lives individually. I am thankful, Lord, that you are a God who chooses not to be distant, but instead chooses to work and to love us and to reach out to us and to be tangible and real in our lives. Lord, I pray that that would be what we would seek, that we would seek to know you and seek to reflect you and to be your hands and feet in this community. In Jesus' name.